Paid to Play podcast, episode 36. Long Distance Intimate Therapy with Isaiah McKinney. Hello and thank you for downloading or streaming and listening to this episode of the Paid to Play podcast. My name is Rob Farker. And as I record this, it is Sunday, February the 1st, 2015, the first day in what some are taking to call Love Month, although I wonder whether it ought to really be Love Half Month as the traditional celebration of love, uh, interpersonal happiness and intimacy, Valentine's Day, is on February the 14th, which is pretty much smack bang in the middle of the month. But that is kind of beside the point. This month is, of course, as I said, a celebration of love and intimacy. It is a time also, perhaps much like Christmas, of expectations when people in a relationship are pressured to perform in certain ways, whether it is the buying of heart-shaped gifts or other expressions of one's love for the person in your life. And... It also means that there are certain expectations in both directions in terms of performance. And in our modern society, where we do pride ourselves on being cosmopolitan in many ways, intimacy and sexuality are still confusing and a lot of times taboo, things that you don't really talk about unless and until you've had a few drinks down the pub or at the club. It's not something that you really sit down with another person, especially not the other person in your life, and actually try and talk about where things might not be going as well as they could be. And it's always tricky trying to figure out just who you can turn to for help. Going to anybody is still considered something of a sign of weakness. And especially if you happen to live in a town far away from the major cosmopolitan centres of the world, Uh, a town perhaps like Cairns, which, although recently it has gained something more of a tourist focus, it still has its roots very much in blue-collar work. It was a sugar town and a fishing town for many years. Um... So it can be hard not to just find help, but also perhaps to even set up a business where you are helping other people. That said, though, my guest for today's episode, Isaiah McKimmy, has done just that. This chat was actually recorded back in July of 2013, and at the time, Isaiah branded her business Passionate Spirit. If you search for that on the web, you may well still find her, but, and I will reiterate this again at the end of the podcast, if after listening to this you do decide to look her up, perhaps to engage her services, you can find her at isaiahmckimmy.com, actually that's isaiah-mckimmy.com, or more simply, Isaiah Indigo Sierra Indigo Alpha Hotel.com.au. Anyway, enough of me. It's time for me to say... Isaiah McKimmy, thank you very much for coming on the Pay to Play podcast. My pleasure, Rob. Great to be talking to you. Now, you are in a profession that is very much all about helping people 
overcome their uh, their problems specifically some of the some of the most personal issues that people can deal with when did you um when did you realize that that was your calling oh you know that that's actually that's a really great question rob because i was actually doing doing this work long before i knew that it was my life's calling i had always imagined that um that I guess helping people improve their sex lives would be something that I did for a little while, um, you know, until I found an actual career. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was something that, um, you know, I, that I kept coming back to. I, I guess I, I, what I did discover very early on was that I had, um, you know, I had a talent for it and a very strong interest in it. Um, I loved seeing the difference that I could make in people's lives by helping them with this. And so I came back to it over and over again. Um, and then uh, probably about two years ago, realized that, that this actually could be a career of its own. It, sound, it seems a common story that people uh, have these ideals of the things that they would love to do. And yet they keep thinking, this is the thing I'll do for a little bit until I find a real job. What, um, you know, what turned it around in your mind from being the thing that you sort of did on the side? And what were the, uh, the quote unquote real jobs that you were kind of staring down the barrel of until you thought, no, let's make a go of what I really love doing? Right. Um, look, well, certainly nobody ever told me, you know, in career counselling in school that um, that I could be a sex therapist or a sex surrogate. <laughs> that that never came up. Um, so I, I mean my um my my initial degree I had um uh, I did a major in environment. It was social science, but my major was environment. So I kind of wanted to help the planet that way. That was going to be my career. Um, and when did I realize, I guess when I found myself wanting to spend more and more time doing this work and really having no interest in doing work around the environment, I realized that, um, I could just find a way to make this work. So how long have you actually been in business for so far? I think you mentioned a couple of years. Yeah, look, uh, so I've been helping people with their sex lives for over six years now, but working for myself really for about, um, look, I say the last 18 months when I moved up to Cairns and decided to make it my full-time job. Before that, I was running workshops, um, doing coaching with people, but I always had at least um, a part-time job as well. Then mm. 18 months ago, I realized that I didn't need to have a part-time job with it. If I, was, if I was really going to make it work, I couldn't have a part-time job with it. Yeah. I needed to put all my energies into doing what I love. Mm. Now, one thing that uh, comes to mind for me and I sort of had a, a similar reaction to one of my previous guests, Joe Linda, who is a fashion consultant, is that one of the unique challenges of doing something like this in Cairns is that yeah. not only do you have a high transient population, of course, mm -hmm. but the population that sticks around 
it tends to be on the bit of, on a bit of the the parochial side there you would imagine because we're we're still something of a country <laughs> town you a lot of people would be very reticent to discuss you know one of the most personal issues that you can deal with your sex life with you know anyone else uh, let alone be seeing you know seeing a therapist about it how do you how do you find doing this sort of business in a place like Cairns? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a small town and, you know, and a country town comes with its own, you know, set of challenges. Um, you know, there is certainly, um, you know, a very real risk uh, in this town that I will see my clients out or that I'll know someone that they know. Mm. And so that there is, um, you know, a little bit of a reluctance on behalf of some people to want to talk about it. Um, I think, you know, the, I guess the, the benefits for me and for my clients are that I'm the only sex therapist in Cairns. Mm. And so when people realize that they can actually get help for these problems around sex and relationships that often go unaddressed, they're usually then quite excited to come and see me. And, you know, one of the other ways that I'm dealing with this from a business perspective is by seeing um, quite a few clients online. So I have clients um, in the UK, in the US, um, in Melbourne, Sydney, and also in other regional parts of Australia um, where, for example, there, there isn't a sex therapist. Mm. Mm. That is very interesting. I mean, you mentioned on your website that Passionate Spirit is a global business, and I kind of raised an eyebrow about that, and then I thought, of course, well, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you are supplementing the local business with uh, the business online. So um, as a rough breakdown, how much of your business is local and how much of it is, um, how much of it is, of course, tending to people outside of the area internationally? And what are some of those challenges of actually being a very personal business, yet being on the other side of a webcam? Yeah, um, I guess we're probably looking at about probably still about three quarters of our coaching clients um, are kind of in cans. Um, probably about, yeah, I would say a quarter to a third um, of our clients are online. Um, of course, a lot of people buy our products um, online from different parts of the world as well. Um, you know, I, I guess people people kind of often question this. Really, can I do something as personal and intimate as sex therapy, you know, online? And what I have found is that some of my clients um, are actually more comfortable with it. Mm. Um, I certainly don't feel like we lose anything um, in, in being online. Um, I mean, for me, it feels like my clients are, are right there and everything that we would do um, in a coaching session together, yeah. we can do on online. So, um, you know, the communication practice, sometimes um, getting them to um, do some movement or teaching them about different muscle groups, we can do all of that online. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, at times I see even my CANS clients on, on Skype. Um, so from the same town, you know, they've got kids that they need to take care of and can't leave the house, um, you know, or something's just not quite matching up. So it's easier for them to do it 
from home and you know like I said they often find it more comfortable they're really they're they're in their own home often in their own living room um, you know and it's of course more convenient for them because they don't have to drive across town park somewhere and then come and see me mm. now a little while ago, I listened to an interview that Richard Feidler on the ABC did with a lady by the name of Rachel Wooten, who is a sex worker, and her specialty was actually seeing clients who had so, most often some form of physical disability. And yeah. it, she had some very interesting things to say about how trivially, trivially, we tend to treat sex publicly, but yet how fundamental it can be to our self-image and our overall well-being. Um, what's your perspective on uh, society in general's issues towards sex? And I guess because um, you are very driven, you've got uh, a mission to, as your website says, uh, you're advocating the cause of uh, good sex and healthy uh physical relationships as being you know a, a strong part of a relationship overall how are you what are you what are some of the battles that you have to fight in order to get people to you know take their sex life seriously right I, I mean changing our sex life can change our whole lives so by improving our sex life we really can improve our health our happiness our confidence um, and our overall well-being um, there is still, unfortunately, you know, uh, a little bit of shame around it. I think more than anything, um, people are still maybe not quite sure, is it okay to get help with this? Um, they're not sure where to go to get help with it. Um, yeah, so, you know, I guess for me, it is... I, you know, I really see how much some people suffer when they're having problems with sex and relationships and I would love to see people coming to me sooner than what they do. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, um, by the time people get to me, uh, you know, it's really a matter of trying to save their relationship. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I would love to see people be, you know, more proactive and for us, you know, as a society to really break down the shame around it. You know, sex is a fundamental need. It's a biological drive and our sexuality is central to who we are. So for me, a lot of, you know, the the work that I do both in and outside of my sessions is just trying to let people know that it's okay to want to have a great sex life, that they deserve to have a great sex life, and it's okay to ask for help mm. to have sex life. What are some of the unique challenges you find working in the, uh, the I mean, the, I'm getting tongue-tied myself here, uh, the psychotherapy okay. profession in general, and I guess specifically as being uh, a sex therapist, what are some of the things that, say, if someone were taking a, a similar path to you, that it might be worth giving them a heads up on and also some of the unique joys, I guess, of working in your profession? Sure. I mean, I guess, you know, for me, the joys are the joys are the easy part. This this job, I mean, I, I'm, I have one of the most amazing jobs in the world. I feel completely blessed and honoured every day to be doing what I do. The 
the trust that my clients show me is is quite humbling. You know, they do um, come to me with things that they're not able to talk to anyone else about. And I really get to see their entire lives change through working with me. Um, you know, I even had a had a client come in last week and say that his blood pressure has dropped since he's been seeing me. People find that they're um, more confident, so they do better in their careers. They're able to speak up at work. They have better communication skills so that they have better relationships, not just with their partner, but with their children, friends, and colleagues as well. So I'm in a very, very privileged position to to see people's lives change for the better over a period of time. Um, I guess, you know, the... The challenges for me, um, I guess every, every job has its challenges, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> what, what would I say the challenges are? I mean, sometimes, um, you know, it's a sensitive topic and, you know, seeing my clients' tears is sometimes really hard, feeling, sitting with them in their pain and, and, and seeing their pain is, is a really hard thing to do because, of course, I just want to help. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes it takes more time than we'd both yeah. like for that to happen. It's always the thing you almost <laughs> you, you almost find yourself wishing that these things could happen on a schedule. In, uh, in two weeks, I'll be feeling better. <laughs> but uh, uh, as always, everything that's important takes its own time, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And honestly, if I could um, wave a magic wand and make things better, yeah. I would. Now, one thing, if you'll forgive a little curiosity here, you did mention in your profile on your website that before becoming a sex and relationship coach and a sex therapist, you were a sex surrogate. Now, this is, this is something that's been getting um, a little bit of public attention lately. I believe there was a movie recently where Helen Hunt actually played uh, the role of a sex surrogate in it. But um, what are the differences between being a sex therapist and a sex surrogate, if I can ask? Sure. Um, I, the Sessions was such a beautiful movie. I'd really like to recommend to anyone that hasn't seen it um, that they see it. It's just an absolutely gorgeous story and, and represents really well um, what a sex surrogate does or can do. Um, for me, my role as a surrogate was incredibly rewarding um, and yet I find that, um, you know, I can kind of give my clients many of the same benefits through being a sex mm. therapist. Um, the, the main difference between a surrogate and a therapist is that um, surrogates touch their clients. So when a client is seeing um, a surrogate, they are often also seeing um, a psychologist or a sex right. therapist. Um, as a sex therapist, they, they tend to just see me. Um, the surrogate's role is to really do some of the physical exercises that we would not do as, um, as, a, um, like as a psychotherapist or a mm. sex therapist. Um, so, for example, um, I would massage my clients as a surrogate um, I would allow them to touch parts of my body um, because some of the men that I worked with had, for example, never seen or touched a woman's body before. And their level of anxiety was so high around that that it um, 
would have taken a really long time and an incredibly understanding partner to be able to work through some of the issues they had with a partner. So as a professional, I guess I was in a really good position to teach people about sex and about bodies. Um, yeah, through, through touch and through that kind of intimacy. As a sex therapist, I give that kind of, um, those kind of activities to people for homework now instead of them doing them with my clients yeah. myself. Yeah. It does uh, seem almost as sad that uh, touch is nowadays even uh, probably even more underrated than sex is. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I find that a lot in working with clients with um, low libido or different sexual sexual challenges, you know, unfortunately, when they find that sex isn't working or isn't happening, they also give up touch altogether. And I see a lot of benefit for my clients when I actually just encourage them to engage in loving touch with their partner, whether that leads, leads to sex or not. Um, you know, we still get all that lovely um, hormone and endorphin release just through loving yeah. touch. Hmm. Now, what would you, is there anything that you would like to um, try next in your career? Any directions that you can see yourself moving to? Look, I guess, um, we're still really um, building passionate spirit here and I can see this um, occupying my my time and energy for the next few years at least. Um, we're working on a few more ebooks at the moment and are looking at running um, some workshops next year, um, particularly teaching men how to be men and teaching women how to be sensual, loving women. Um, and then also teaching, you know, uh, couples how to interact uh, in a really passionate and loving way as well. I would also, you know, eventually I can see myself teaching other young women how to run a business. It's probably been the, the biggest learning um, in my in my time with passionate spirit is is the business side of things. You no, know, I was always a very good therapist, uh, but the the business thing is something that um, that has taken a little bit longer to learn. Yeah, I can imagine that's uh, that's a whole different set of challenges in and of itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Now to wind things up, Isaiah, uh, what three things? Uh, would you pass on to someone who is thinking of getting into psychotherapy or sex therapy that perhaps you wish someone had maybe told you in the beginning? Mm, that's a great question, Rob. Let me think about that. It always tends to be a bit of a stumper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, um, I would really encourage someone to, um, to be really clear about the training they're getting and make sure they're getting really good quality training. There is a lot of information about sex and sacred sexuality and Tantra and um, things out there that is not necessarily expert or professional. So to um, invest really wisely 
um, and get a get really good quality training so that you're able to pass on really good quality information to your clients. Um, I would also suggest uh, ha having some kind of, of business mind and, and structuring your business um, in a way that will work for you as well as for your clients. And um, I guess number three would be to just go and do it, <laughs> to not, not spend five years as I did thinking that it wasn't a valid career move to just do what you love because I think the world needs more people doing what they love um, and it certainly needs more people teaching us not to be ashamed of our sexuality but to improve our relationships and sex lives. Certainly does. Isaiah, thank you once again for coming on the Pay to Play podcast. It's been great talking with you about such a rich and fascinating and sensitive subject. That's absolutely my pleasure, Rob. Thank you. Thank you very much once again, Isaiah, for coming on the podcast and talking about your profession and what it means to you. And again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do want to go and look up Isaiah on the web, you can find her nowadays at IsaiahMcKimmy.com. That's Indigo Sierra Indigo Alpha Hotel hyphen Mike Charlie Kilo Indigo Mike Mike indigoecho.com or isaiah.com.au that's indigo sierra indigo alpha hotel.com.au and i would like to end this podcast off by asking like isaiah is there anything that you have tried to set aside in the name of getting what would seem like a legitimate job but no matter what, you keep finding yourself coming back to. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. This has been episode 36. Episode 37 is currently in the works. I have had a great chat with a gentleman by the name of Paul Abstruse, who is a tattooist and also a comic book artist. An interesting fusion of two careers, and it was a great chat finding out from him how he gets it all to work out. In the meantime, folks, just remember, play first, Pay later. I license pay to play under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. In approximate terms, this means that you can fold, spindle, or mutilate it, in other words, remix it, and send it to whomever you please, but make sure that you tell people that the bits of it you use came from me, and don't charge anyone for it. For the full legalese, go to creativecommons.org. Theme music is written and performed by, copyright, and used with the kind permission of Miracle of Sound. All rights reserved. For more great music inspired by geek culture, visit miracleofsound.net. This podcast is hosted by Business Web Integrations. You can find them at businesswebintegrations, or one word, .com.au, and they'll be more than willing to assist you with your site hosting needs.